You're listening to Radio Tab's Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Off the back in a sizzling 27.4. It's Tough Tilly in front. Ladies and Reds going to have to pull out something special. Into the straight, it's Tough Tilly three metres. Ladies and Reds still coming, then came Treachery. It's Tough Tilly in front from Ladies and Red. Tough Tilly two metres to Ladies and Red. She's knuckling down, but Tough Tilly's holding her late. And Tough Tilly's going to win again. Tough Tilly beat Ladies and Red third, Treachery and fourth, Doug's Babe. Yeah, that was the make mine cull in the group three race a couple of weeks ago. And Chris, even though beaten, she wouldn't have lost too many admirers there. She was brave and had to do a fair bit of work in the run, ladies in red. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, far from disappointing. Uh, this is going to be a good clash tomorrow night. Coming through is race seven from Melton. It's the Group 3 Angelique Club pace. And both of these mares, uh, ladies in red and tough Tilly, looking to overcome the second row draw, but it's over the uh, the distance of 2,240 metres. So they've got a little bit of time, but I think it's going to be a very interesting race, given the fact that both of these mares need to overcome a second row draw. So that's going to be a real highlight there tomorrow night. One of the other highlights at Melton is the True Roman Trotters free-for-all. That's a Group 3 race coming through as race number six. Olivici steps out there again, so we're looking forward to seeing him in action. Uh, tonight, Steve, over in Auckland, the defending New Zealand Cup champion steps out. Copy that. He's back in New Zealand with Ray Green after the stint here in Australia. He's looking to overcome a handicap of 55 metres tonight in that race at Alexandra Park. Blair Orange comes up from Canterbury to drive Copy That. Of course, he was behind Copy That when he won the New Zealand Cup. So that's all important. And this is going to be his final start in all likelihood before he heads back south for a shot at the Cup. On Monday over in New Zealand, Ashburton, we've got the Ashburton Flying Stakes, the other Trotters Flying Mile, Rock and Roll Do, the last start of Victoria Cup winner. He steps out on Monday in the Flying Stakes. So he's going to go up against the might of the All-Stars. So that's going to be a really important race as far as the New Zealand Cup is concerned. So there's a lot of features to look forward to. And then, as you mentioned earlier, when we were doing the preview, uh, we've got Leap to Fame stepping out. We've got uh, further action of the semi-finals of the uh, Breeders' Challenge at uh, Menangle on Saturday night. Leap to Fame steps out and uh, he's looking to uh, score another victory fresh off that last start performance in the Victoria Derby. So a lot of good racing here, there and everywhere this weekend. And what about that iconic Kaikoura meeting, Chris, in New Zealand? Where's that place these days? That comes up. That'll be uh, Monday week. So we're not too far away. So it's not this Monday. Monday coming up is Ashburton. The following Monday is Kaikoura. And that's where we're going to be seeing a Cooter step out because he wasn't amongst uh, final acceptors for that meeting at Ashburton on Monday. So he's likely to step out at Kaikoura. So that's going to be on Monday week. Excellent. Let's catch up with Brad Steele, uh, the chairman of the Albion Park Harness Racing Club. And there's always a lot to talk about with Brad, but he joins us now. Brad, appreciate the time. You're welcome, Chris. Good morning, everyone. First and foremost, I want to talk about a big fundraising night that the clubs are getting behind and organising for Saturday, November 5. It's not that far away, but it's for one of our own and Brett Cargill, a, a very well-respected trainer and horseman in his own right. But he's had some health battles and uh, we're looking to raise as much money as possible for, for Brett on this evening. Exactly right, Chris. And through our uh, ladies' subcommittee at the Albion Park, the Embracing Pacing Team, they're putting together a great calendar of events uh, on the 5th of November, as you said, and we're hopeful that we'll be able to raise you know, a, a lot of money to, to help with Brett's uh, recovery. And as you said, Brett's a very popular 
member of the harness racing industry, not just here in Queensland, but uh, also in New Zealand uh, and Victoria. And we're hoping to get behind him and raise a lot of money to let him focus on his health recovery and we'll try and help with a bit of uh, financial assistance as well. That's a good night as well, November 5, because that's the first official night of the Summer Carnival. So it's going to be a great night of racing. So it's a good night to get to the track, see some top-class racing and, importantly, get behind a really good fundraising event. Yeah, right, Chris. Yes, we've got Peak of the Creek that night, which is a new race that we launched last year, very popular, and also the Be Good Johnny. So uh, be fantastic racing uh, on the track, uh, but then also some really important fundraiser uh, off the track uh, for, for Brett Cargill. You mentioned embracing pacing, getting on board with this fundraising event. Uh, each time they have an event at Albion Park, it's always uh, uh, well patronised. It's uh, a fun night. The girls really put on a good show, and I'm sure this night is going to be no different. Would I be right in saying that Mark Forbes is going to be the MC for this event? Yeah, you're right, Chris. Yeah, headline uh, event. Mark Forbes always does a great job, keeps everyone uh, engaged and always has lots of great uh, competitions um, for everyone to interact in. So, yeah, Mark will be there. And I'm pretty sure we'll also have some other entertainment there, uh, other entertainment there as well, um, just to to back up uh, the great work that Mark does. Okay, so that's uh, November five. If anyone wants to find out more or or really get behind it, do they just contact the club? Yeah, if they contact the club or go onto the Creek uh, website, all the information is there, Chris. And also, there'll be lots of social media coverage over the next uh, week as well, as we get all the rest of the information out to everybody but certainly they can uh, contact the club and we'll also set up a, a GoFundMe uh, site as well which uh, people from interstate and New Zealand can also uh, donate money towards uh, towards Brett. Okay, excellent. Uh, I mentioned the Summer Carnival, fast approaching. Are you looking forward to it? Absolutely, Chris. Yeah, look, we've got a really busy schedule and it starts with the Summer Carnival. It's just around the corner. We're busily putting together some packages. We're already getting lots of large bookings coming through. A lot of people like to come to the creek over Christmas for work breakup and work celebrations. So we're working our way through that. But uh, we also know it's going to be fantastic racing. And I, I have a funny feeling, you know, that a lot of our local uh, participants will feature really heavily uh, this summer uh, over our carnival. And, uh, yeah, getting lots of inquiries coming through and it will be fantastic, fantastic racing as well. All right. Remedial works were carried out just last week. Uh, by the look mm. of it, uh, judging by those results last Friday and last Saturday night, uh, they've done a super job, the track staff there, because uh, the track was on fire. Yeah, they've had a fair bit of practice at it, Chris, particularly through the floods uh, you know, early in the <laughs> year and everything. And uh, Tony Turpin and his team do an outstanding job, and they've pretty much got it down pat these days. And we know uh, Black Dance loves the Albion Park track. Uh, and in our first trial, I think last Friday, uh, 150.5 uh, in a trial, um, so sensational time, and it just shows you that, you know, the track is in tip-top condition, and as you know, coming through that summer period, uh, it also encourages even faster time, so it's going to be really intriguing to see what might be possible in that summer carnival now that we've got, you know, an even better track for them to race on. Yeah, absolutely. The track record is held by Black Sedans at 149.2. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if that holds during the upcoming carnival. So a lot to look forward to there. Just from the administration front, Chris Bombalis, he's now uh, the Chief Operating Officer of the club and he's got the feet behind the desk. How's he settling in? He's settling in really well, uh, Chris. Uh, and look, Chris has been a friend of the club for for quite some time and also the harness racing industry he's uh, he's been fascinated by harness racing for a long long time even though when he even when he was on channel nine doing all the sports uh, sports coverage uh, i do recall chris popping into the track 
outside working hours from time to time. So uh, he's sitting in really well. I think this is week two, steep learning curve. But, um, yeah, he's got lots of things underway and we'll probably have some further good announcements coming up over the next uh, few months as well. Okay, we'll try and track uh, Chris down in the coming weeks. Just three main points uh, in his role, just looking forward. Uh, Tab Constellations next year, uh, the Inner Dominion at the end of next year, uh, if I'm right in saying it is the end of next year, and also uh, the new home. Uh, are, are they the three major points for Chris at this point in time? Yeah, you're right. Chris, I'd probably add a, um, a fourth one there, the yearling sale, the Sunshine Stars yearling sale in March yeah, at course. the Millions Complex. So I think they're our four, our four key areas that we're really building out at the moment. And look, we've, we've even got an eye on uh, Inter-Dominion 26, which Queensland will be hosting as well. And, and we would really love to pitch that Inter-Dominion to be run much sooner, probably in that March-April period, which is what we did try to do next year, but we weren't able to, to get it in place. But we'd really love to see our next Inter-Dominion in 26 run at a much earlier uh, time slot and uh, Chris will play an integral part in trying to influence that uh, to come about as well. So the series for next year, is it locked in for late November, early December? It's looking that way, Chris, yeah. As I said, we did try and uh, uh, do it a bit sooner, but it just wasn't possible this time. But, yeah, it'll be late November, uh, early December, and we, we've got a few working groups that are well underway um, because, obviously, you know, we haven't hosted an Indian Carnival since 2001 at the Creek, um, and we're pretty keen to see what might be different around our Inner Dominion compared to, compared to others, and we're just working through that at the moment. Okay, I've got to ask the question. We ask it every time you come to air. <laughs> Is there any update on where we're likely to be headed? Uh, there's no update, but it's certainly sitting with the government at the moment, Chris. I, I, and I keep saying, and I know I can't quantify it any better, but it is imminent, uh, that decision. Um, and it's currently sitting with the government to, to, to work through their announcements. Um, um, I would hope that it would certainly be done before Christmas. Um, so, uh, but I do think that, you know, whilst I said in the past, we've, we're sad to be leaving uh, the creek. Uh, I think people will be pretty excited with what's... Um, what's being proposed. Okay. And you just mentioned the Sunshine Stars yearling sale. I had Greg O'Connor on here last week. You guys have jumped on board and Sunshine Stars yearling sale is the proud sponsor of this year's New Zealand derby coming up in the first week of December. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Chris, we're really trying to stretch across the Tasman there because the model that we've got for our Sunshine Stars yearling sale is, is probably a smaller model of the Magic Millions uh, concept. So we want to bring buyers in from all over Australasia, and it's important that we appeal to the Kiwi buyers. Um, so we want to elevate uh, the Sunshine Stars yearling sale in New Zealand, and we'll be talking to a lot of prospective buyers and trainers uh, during that carnival, and it, it's obviously a very high-profile time, uh, and we think it's the right way to to communicate and extend our message to, to the Kiwis uh, when most of them will be at Addington for the New Zealand Cup and also their derby. Yeah, sounds like a great opportunity. Job well done there. Hey, Brad, really appreciate the time. We'll keep uh, giving this a good mention, uh, the, the fundraiser for Brett, Carl, uh, Brett Cargill coming up on Saturday, November 5. We'll see you trackside on the weekend. Great stuff. Will do, Chris. Many thanks. Yeah, Brad Steele. So it will be interesting. Chris, I'm wondering how much it would cost to build a new harness track facility there. Um, wherever it may yeah, be and a, what size they go great with. great question. Mm. Mm. And as you said, yeah. it's crucial that we have, I'm sure they will have on-course stabling as well, uh, Chris, which yeah. you've touched on many, many times. Jonah Hutchinson yep. is with us, thanks to Garrards. Jonah, good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you going? I'm really well. You're in the winner's circle again last night. You've got some key chances coming up on Saturday night. 
The team's going along well. You must be happy and satisfied with the way things are going. Yeah, they're definitely living up to expectations. And as I as I say, I come when I come on here every time, they get better each time I um, come on here. So hopefully we can just keep building bigger and stronger. I wanted to talk to you this morning. You've been doing plenty of miles uh, here in Brisbane and then you've had stints down in the Riverina. Is Brisbane home for you? Yeah, we um, have moved back up to Brisbane permanently. Uh, originally, we were going to live in Wagga, but unfortunately, just due to the lack of racing, we weren't sort of getting enough noms and we had to sort of move back north. Okay. Just on that setup there at Wagga, it's a brand new complex down there. A lot of people tell me it's a, a world-class setup. Is it a really good track and is it a really good area there? Yeah, it's a really nice track and it's it's a pretty fast track. Like I had a couple of horses go there and shave a few seconds off their personal times and it um, helped them out a lot. And the setup that we had training there at Bernie Kelly's was unbelievable, the best, one of the best I've trained at. So, yeah, it was really nice. Okay, but just more opportunities here locally? Yeah, with the racing every day, because unfortunately down there they only race Tuesday, Friday, unless you're sort of willing to travel four hours and driving, and it's just, it takes a toll on the horses. It'd take a toll on you as well, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, it does. Um, I don't, I don't mind travelling. I, I, I love, I love the horses. I could, I could race every day, all day, but yeah, it's more the horses looking after them and keeping them happy. You'd be saying that in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> As long as, as long as by hour. All right. Well, I've got to ask. We've been talking about Albion Park and the possible relocation. If they do build a new complex, how important is it, in your opinion, and this is just your opinion, to have an on-course training establishment set up as well? Yeah, I think. I think they really need to do it. Um, I did spend some time down at the Menangle Barns there. About two years ago, I had a little stint down there, and it was amazing. Um, and it was such a good opportunity for me. And if they were to build new stables, I, I'd definitely look at relocating there. And um, I think it yeah. just gives those sort of smaller trainers a chance that can't quite afford to put millions into setting a place up and having everything they need to get the best out of their horses. Not only the smaller trainers, but the younger generation as well, because as we know, uh, you know, prices of property, it just continues to skyrocket. So this is an affordable way to keep introducing new people into the sport. Yeah, that's it. And like, you look at the Menangle Bards, that's, that's world-class facilities. If we could have something like that up here, I think um, Racing Queensland would just jump out of the ground and like, we already do so well as it is. So with that sort of training set up, they'd... Um, improve a lot yeah absolutely i've got to ask uh, how many's in the team right now um currently in work we only have seven but um we currently own 19 unfortunately there's still quite a few in the paddock that we couldn't all just transport up here at once so um in the process of organizing getting them all up here but it's also a case of where we put them um and getting some room for them Okay. Are you more interested in the training side of the business or the driving, or you like both aspects? I really like the training side. I really like um, trying to get the horses as happy as I can and sort of as feeling as good as I can, like, because I used to play sports myself, and I know, like, when you're doing it week in, week out, like, it takes a toll on your body. So, like, 
just those little extras like getting a chiropractor out and a massage guy just to keep them nice and nice and loose and happy just it it just shows in the horse's results that they they're a lot happier in themselves and they run a lot straighter and can do everything right what about uh, the difference between working with younger stock compared to the older stock uh how, how do you find that yeah, well, originally I only had the older stock and then now I've sort of started to get a lot younger stock and I, I really like the young ones because they've got their whole career ahead of them and you can get an early start on them where the older ones sort of have their have their little tricks. But they're, they're both fun because the old ones you've got to figure out and the young ones, they're, they're, you, you just teach them what they've got to do and they just get better every time. Well, you've got the, the team going really well. One horse in particular... His two runs back this prep have been super. Let's blaze. He goes around on Saturday night in race three. He's number nine, but you must be thrilled with the way this guy's come up this time in. Oh, he's he's always been a, a nice little horse. Like um, I was lucky enough that Shane Train Tritton originally owned him and trusted me to train him there for a little bit when he went to America, and I, I just seen the ability the horse had. And at the time, he was he was a very bad steer and bad gated horse, but always knew that was there so when the opportunity come to buy him I just jumped at the chance because he's he's just got that un- unbelievable turn of foot and if he could find a little bit more gate speed he'd just be a really nice horse that'd go through the grades really quickly yeah he's far from the finished product isn't he yes yes he's, he's sort of bred on the line that he'll get better with age and every start he shows that every start he goes out there and he gets a little bit better and paces that little bit better and a bit sharper and He's sort of the horse that you know, even if you end up a bit far back, like he just puts in that nice of a last half or last quarter that he's competitive no matter where he ends up. The run last week went third, uh, although beaten. W- would that be a career best? Because his sectionals were just sensational. Yeah, he's he's had some really good sectionals. Um, I'm not sure. It, in the final, his last start um, before going out for a spell, I'm pretty sure that last, last quarter might have been a 25-8 or a 25-9. So he he definitely got the speed. And uh, I believe at Wagga, he ran a 26-2 last quarter there. So he's, he's always got that good turn of foot. It's just um, improving it a little bit and getting him a bit sharper out of the gate. Do you think he'll be really competitive again on Saturday night in that field? I do. I, I really like the draw for him because last week, last week it sort of drawing 10 it's a whole different draw to nine because you sort of got to restrain him and having him on a helmet straight away where i can just follow he'll be a lot better gated out of the gate and should be able to keep up with the two which in itself is a really nice horse that puts up nice last half so if we can try and follow it in the race and have a battle of speed towards the end Okay, well, that's Let's Blaze in race three. Race eight on Saturday night. Motu Cullen steps out. This looks fairly open. Probably speak with Sam off last week's run's going to have plenty of uh, fancies here. But uh, how do you think Motu Cullen will shape up? Yeah, he's he's a nice horse. Um, he's probably a little bit sharper over the mile, but he, he's sort of another one that lacks a little bit of gate speed. So hopefully with um, Speak With Sam being one of the better ones, he can... Um, have a little bit of a speed battle with Cam Roller after his um, big performance last Wednesday or Monday, it, whenever it was. Um, yeah, is he? Yeah. Is, sorry, I was just about to say with Mo Two Cullen, is he? Is he one that you know can be a little frustrating for you because he can just mix his uh, stride a little, a little bit? 
Yeah, he he can be actually a quite tricky horse to drive because he actually extends his front feet further than his nose. And he's, he's a horse that can get quite hard up on the steel. So you've got to try and keep him off the person in front of you without fighting him too much. Otherwise, you get too close, then he shortens his stride up and goes a bit rough like he does. Okay. And then the last race there on Saturday night, Augusta Hanover steps out in the last race. Only a very lightly raced mare. Yeah, she's been a long mare in the making. We've had this mare for over two years now. And my partner, Paige Bevan, she's known the filly since she was a um, baby. And unfortunately, she was a little bit gutted when she missed out on getting to watch her win because she was in the swab with one of our other horses. But she's a pretty classy filly. And I don't think she's out of it. She's um, She is only lightly raced, but she's shown she has the speed and off her, off her run on Tuesday, she definitely showed that she has the toughness and can can be out there to compete. Okay. What do you think of the draw? It looks a little sticky on paper. Yeah, well, it, it is a little bit sticky. Like, you have London Lady drawn one, which it, in those lower grades has been leading. Whether it leads um, tries to lead on Saturday night is another thing because it's a, a big step up for that horse, but... I think I think I might just have to sort of see how they go out of the gate if I can land land close to the front um, and even get on a helmet because she's a mare that's a lot sharper on a helmet, but she sort of had that sort of class where we could just lead at the moment. But um, we'll have to weigh up and see how we go. Okay. So she's been a long-term project, say, in another 12 months' time. Where do you see Augusta Hanover? Yeah, I... I can see her racing competitively on a Saturday night. Like, it's a it's a fourth start, and she's sort of there. But, I mean, her her first ever proper trial, she, she run 56 herself, and I think we clocked her in a 26-9 last quarter. And e- even in her first um, proper education we gave her, I think she got home in 27-8 that day. So she's a, she's a big mare, and that's why we sort of gave her longer to mature. And she she's one of them ones that has speed as well. So... Um, bigger and better things for her, hopefully. Okay, well, you got three really good chances there on Saturday night. You mentioned that you're really keen on the training, but you're also doing some driving. Are you looking, I wouldn't say for more horses, because by the sound of it, you've got plenty there, but you're always open for, for other opportunities. And if uh, someone wanted to put you on to drive, you're, you're happy to go and drive? Yeah, definitely. Like, we go anywhere... Like, even just to drive one, I think, Sunday, we're just going out to Marburg to drive one. Like, Paige and, my, uh, Paige and I, we just, we'll travel anywhere to drive one. We just love racing and just being at the races is fun. All right. So, both yourself and Paige still have claims? Uh, yeah, I have a three-point claim, but Paige still has her five-point claim. All right, excellent. Hey, you're doing a good job. You're in the winner's circle last night. Let's hope uh, the good form continues across the weekend, in particular on Saturday night with the Metro card there at Albion Park. Appreciate the time. We'll see you trackside. Thanks for having me Jonah Hutchinson joining us. The banner out wider. Gambit has one off behind them. Magnificent Storm has worn down. Jumping Jack Mack. Too fast, too serious. Hampton Banner sticking on. Jasper Miller Beach. It's Magnificent Storm over. Jumping Jack Mack. And Magnificent Storm beats Jumping Jack Mack. Yeah, that was uh, Gloucester Chris last Friday night. Matty Young is joining us now. Matty, good morning. Good morning, boys. So they've ruled out the Inter-Dominion, maybe a possibility of coming east for a shot at the Miracle Mile in, what, uh, late February, March next year. Where does he rate for you right now, Magnificent Storm? I still think he's uh, 
he's relatively immature to the whole grand circuit side of things and you get that feeling with him that he's going to keep improving with more and more racing and I think uh, I think I've spoken to Adam Hamilton about it in the past before about that he just looks like a horse that a good grand circuit campaign against some of the best in Australia he might not win but I think it would uh, really tighten the screws and make him a better all-round racehorse for uh, years to come because he is lightly raced he's only had 30 odd starts and he's been very successful but uh, a lot of that looks like he's won on raw ability and I think uh, he's got a lot more to offer and uh, the day that that uh, sort of opens up it'll be really scary what he can do so uh, he is a very exciting commodity. I thought the drive was a very good last week by Aldo Quarter Patsy there a magnificent storm Matt Absolutely right Aldo he assessed the situation really well. Uh, he did say, uh, interviewed him on my show on Tuesday, uh, that he, he thinks he got lucky. He was able to get across into a pretty good position and let them sort themselves out before going back around to the breeze. But, uh, yeah, he, he assessed the situation really well in the run and uh, things didn't go according to plan early. He was able to uh, make a good decision out of some negative circumstances that were happening up ahead and uh, that ultimately worked in his favour to victory. Who wins the free-for-all tomorrow night? Field of four, Hurricane Harley, Landsgate two. So is he the horse to beat because he probably looks the likely leader? Um, I'm just worried about the pressure he could uh, absorb from Laverick Joe. Um, He's he's been over-racing a little bit, Laverick Joe, which is a slight concern, especially over the longer trip. And uh, if he does go pretty hard here, then, you know, that, that that's going to cause big issues for Hurricane Harley. His last win was when he was able to lead over 2,500 metres. So, look, I, I'm going to tip Minstrel in the race. I, I really liked his run last start. He was a month between runs, and I think his form had been pretty subpar to that level. But he hit the line in that 27-3 over the Mount Eden sprint. Uh, bolting, looking for room to zoom. Uh, from then, he's had a couple of weeks between runs now. 2,500 metres. The horse is... He's one of our best. Uh, you talk about Magnificent Storm, or Minstrel beat Magnificent Storm in the Golden Nugget. He competed in the Chariots of Fire. He's, uh, he's a horse who won the Fremantle Cup. He was one of the big fa- fancies for the Pacing Cup. And I think he represents really good value. So uh, Minstrel, for me, in race four, I think he's uh, a good each-way chance and he's going to be close enough. I think it maps really well for him as well. Okay, so going with last year's Fremantle Cup winner, Minstrel. Uh, Well, this year's Fremantle Cup winner. Uh, Race five, the Western Gateway Derby fast approaching. And this race has really changed complexion, the Derby, in recent weeks. Wonderful to fly, we know. Won't be tackling the boys. Smart watch, who's looked awesome. A winner last week. He's broken down. I'm led to believe that he's got an injury out of last week. So his his season is done. Um, Who's the horse to beat in the Derby? Do we see the Derby winner out of the Gateway tomorrow night? Well, we could do it. Uh, we've had horses like the Mickey Taker and also Flo Rider who have been so dominant uh, in their preparations and uh, they've both gone amiss, so they're out the door as well. So, look, uh, there's a, a lot of horses that are definitely finding it a bit challenging. Even Swing Band, he, his best is uh, very good, but he hasn't been at his best for a little while. Will he get back to that tomorrow? That's a, a big if. 
But I think Tricky Mickey's the horse that's really starting to uh, hit his straps at the right time. So he looks really hard to beat here. I think Max better leads, at least initially. Tricky Mickey gets that nice run, and then it's up to Junior to try and work into the clear. And as we've seen over the last, uh, especially the last six weeks, Junior at Gloucester Park, he's been nearly unbeatable uh, with some of his drives and I think he could be able to work in the clear. It's his first run over 2,500 metres, but uh, off of a month's break going into the Southwest Derby, he went 155.8 and he just sizzled through the line and he went his quickest ever mile rate for 2,100 metres off of that month's break and he looked brilliant. I think he'll continue on with his form here and he looks to be the one that is going in an upward trajectory as opposed to a couple of the others who are just sort of plateauing. Okay, so Tricky Mickey, he's number 10 in tomorrow night's Western Gateway, which is race five. And just on last week's Oaks, a couple of things I wanted to ask about. Um, Ross Oliveri, was that a shock or was that sort of known over there in local circles that, you know, retirement was uh, forthcoming? Uh, That was definitely a shock, uh, the decision being made. So, um, yeah, he's had a great career, Ross, and he's uh, he's been so talented and in the upper echelon of trainers here for so many decades. Um, yeah, he, he just made that decision, I assume. They thought that the horse was spot on and ready to go, and um, if he won the race, he probably made the decision that that would be a good way to go out. His first ever WA Oaks, and um, yeah, what a way to go out. We saw it in Queensland with the Gallops, Pinarello during the carnival. Lethiness got off and said, that's it, I'm finished. So it's <laughs> happened in the harness and the, and the thoroughbreds this year. Yeah. yeah. He's trained a lot of good horses, Ross, hasn't he? Absolutely. Saab, Talladega. Um, yeah, they're, they're just two. Combi, Dash of EC, uh, two more that I can remember. He's just... I'm probably forgetting some of his absolute best ones, but I'll never forget Saab winning the Pacing Cup in 99 from Barrier 9 uh, in summer. A freak storm at Gloucester Park. Chris Lewis and John Hunt with his famous line of uh, uh, dripping diamonds, flowing gowns and dripping diamonds out on the track when they were getting all the photos of the women on the track with their dresses. and um, Yeah, it was pouring with rain. and yeah, it's, it's one of my poor childhood memories of uh, watching Saab win that uh, WA Pacing Cup, defeating House of Ancelot. And wonderful to fly. What, what's the outcome uh, from the Oaks last week? Uh, basically, she's Shane's he's sort of come out and been a bit more honest after the uh, race. He, he sort of was on the back foot for a, a little period there after she had uh, that issue where she finished last and he was just trying to... Uh, pretty much bandage up the issues that were there and try and just patch her up as best he could. But he was running out of time at the same uh, same point of being able to try and get that work into her and give her the time that was needed. He just basically ran out of time and she was coming to the end of her preparation. And, um, yeah, he was, he was not confident going into Friday, we find out, after the race. But uh, he tried to put on a brave face and was just hoping that he was wrong, um, but it turns out he was pretty much right. Well, let's be honest, he's done a magnificent job. I mean, with her so far, and let's hope after a break she comes back and sets the world on fire over there. Yeah, well, she should um, come back and do a really good job. She, she'd had a long preparation, and um, I think if he, if he went back, he'd probably change a few things and 
um, make the Oaks the, the main aim. But he, he only said to me about a week or two before um, she sort of had that bad run that he couldn't believe he's never seen a filly that's been able to race like she has and perform like she has so consistently and buttering up. And that was at the same stage when some of these good three-year-olds like Swing Band and that just were starting to underperform a little bit. And it was like, gee, she looked a really big threat if she was racing at her top to be able to win the WA Derby. And then the wheels just fell off overnight. So um, mm. that's racing. Unfortunately, they're not machines. And um, she'll have a really good spell now and she can come back and, as you mentioned, Steve, hopefully she can come back and race to her absolute top because she should have a pretty exciting four-year-old campaign. Absolutely. What's the best bet? You steered us into Rascal last week. Julie saluted. What's the best tomorrow night? Um, yeah, look, it's, I found the meeting a little bit tricky. I want I want to tip race eight, number one, L Daytona, as my best, but I believe he's going to be too short, in my opinion. Um, so maybe have... Uh, race two, number four, Euphoria. I think has got the speed to get across and lead here. Has been racing really well. Gary Hall Jr. And I think could be a half-decent price because they might not expect that it can lead. So race two, number four, Euphoria, I think is my best. And if uh, that doesn't succeed, just double up on race eight, number one, L Daytona, because he should just be leading and winning. Okay, so race two, number four, and what was the other one again? What race was it? Race eight, number one. Race eight, number one. Righto. We've got them written down, so we're all good to go. Matty, as always, really appreciate the time. Best of luck tomorrow night, and we'll chat again next week. Cheers, boys.